Welcome to the Guitar Freaks Podcast, where we turn beginning guitar players into guitar freaks. This podcast is sponsored by Fret Deck. And now your host, Justin Comstock. Welcome to the Guitar Freaks Podcast. This is your host, Justin Comstock. I am honored, excited today to have Adam Levy on the podcast. What is up, Adam? How are you? I'm so good. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I've been very excited to have Adam on the podcast. He's been a huge influence uh, on my guitar playing skills. Uh, Adam played with Nora Jones um, for what, maybe seven years? Has it? Was it seven? Something years? like that. Uh, Around that, you did three albums with her. Is that correct? Right. That's right. Um. So yeah, uh, listening to. Adam's solos on those mm. records and albums just totally influenced me for many years. Even today, I'm, I'm still influenced by your work. And it's, it's an absolute honor to be speaking with you today. It really is. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, Adam, um, I, I want to get started with our first question. What, what has been your most rewarding moment as a session guitarist? Hmm. Uh, like two, two come to mind. Is it okay if I mention two? Oh, absolutely. It's definitely like a tie because they're, they're different. Like one way I think about that is like in the session, like if the reward is happening like in real time while the tape is rolling, I would say uh, it was recording with Alan Toussaint. Uh, he was a piano player, songwriter, composer, somebody who I had admired for a really long time. And he made a record mm, around 2000-ish that I was, a, you know, already very, you know, well into his career. And I was a big fan of that record. And it was produced by my friend Joe Henry. And in 2015, uh, Joe Henry got to produce another record for Alan. And uh, most of the guitars on that are Bill Frizzell. And, but they had only book, booked Bill for a few days and then he had to go and they still had one more day in the studio. And Joe called me up the night before. He says, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, well, I don't know. What am I doing tomorrow? And he said, uh, do you want to come play on this uh, Alan Toussaint record? And I was like, you're kidding so he told me uh what what song it was and it was a paul simon song called american tune which as it happens i already knew really well so um might be too late to make a long story short but to, to try to make a long story short i found myself you know not overdubbing you know it wasn't like alan toussaint had already gone home or, or like we're in the room making this music together and as the arrangement started to come together uh, they decided, let's start the first, you know, minute of the song that's just voice and guitar. So Alan's singing, I'm playing, and it's all just happening live. Like the band is all there, but they don't come in yet. So there's this minute of studio time where I've got my headphones on and I'm playing the guitar and I, I'm playing a song that I love and I'm listening to a voice that I've been in love with for, you know, decades. So as far as like being in the moment in the studio, that was, it was definitely uh, 
a reward for you know whatever the hard work is of practicing yeah. and hustling and stuff to get to do that but you know in a way i would say another way to say my most rewarding moment as a session guitar player was you know i got to play with tracy chapman mm -hmm. and um in 1995 she put out, put out a record called new beginning and there was a single called give me one reason yep. and i played on that this session wasn't particularly rewarding to be honest it was it was challenging and and it, but it was my first real session you know in a, yeah. in a way and when that record came out that song became the the, the lead single off that record so to hear myself on the radio for the first time, you know, that was incredibly rewarding. So that's a kind of a different thing. One of those is like yeah. in the studio and one of those is like six months later when the record comes out, like, whoa, I, I'm on the radio. That's like, crazy. Wow. Like, it really blew my mind. I, you know, it had been a dream of mine. So, so both of those experiences were, were definitely peak experiences for me. That is so awesome. How cool. Uh, now, uh, now, on the other side, what has been your most challenging session that you've done? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, uh, there have been a few. I guess I would rather would not name names, but... Hey, you don't have to. <laughs> but I'll, just, I'll say that, you know, the, the sessions have been that have been most challenging for me have been situations where uh, if somebody said, hey, you know, could you do this session? And I, in my heart, knew I wasn't the right person for what they were sure. trying to do. Sure. But either, you know, maybe it was a slow month and I, you know, really needed the the money or I needed the, you know, whatever ego boost to to do something i don't know like sometimes i would say yes to something even though i knew in my heart of hearts that somebody else would would be a better call for that particular thing mm -hmm. and and those have been the most challenging sessions when i sure. tried to be um it's one thing if you show up to a, a session and you don't know what it's going to be and they're like surprise this is what we're doing and you're like oh Wow. Like, I mean, that happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> that happened to me once where they were like, Hey, can you come put over, put acoustic guitar on this, on this recording? And I thought, sure, that probably means they've already got everything else recorded and I'm just going to overdub. And so I get there and, and they put a chart down and the producers there and the songwriters there and engineers there. And I put on my headphones and it goes, and it goes okay, there'll be four clicks and then we'll start. And I hear click, click, click click and i start and i'm still just hearing click 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 i'm like oh, i'm not there's no can i get some? and they're like oh no you're you're it's, it's you yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then the sweat starts pouring i'm like oh my god so technically that was super challenging for me sure but sure. conceptually i think that the things that have been the hardest is when i've tried to be something that that i'm not and, and of course if you're working as a session guitar player you know you'd like to think that that you could take on anything that's that's like the, the studio legends you just figure they show up they do what needs to be done but but there are things that you learn that like yeah you know i'm probably not the right person for that but you should call my friend mason sure. or you should call molly or whoever and like yeah. 
I think that be, that's sort of a, a life lesson that, I, that I've learned over the years is like, if you really think you can't do it, you're, you're better serving the client and yourself to, uh, to send somebody who's going to just crush it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You, uh, listening to your music, the solos that you've done and mm-hmm. the courses that you've created, you mm-hmm. seem in, in my opinion, you seem to be a very thoughtful guitarist, one who likes to take his time and really plan and craft things out, you know, craft the song yeah. out. So that's, that's kind of what I, I get that, that sense from you when, when I listen and, and hear you talk about um, different solos that you've analyzed on some of your courses on true fire. So yeah. yeah, it's just, it's, it's uh it's a, you're a really good example for me personally, because when I do some sessions, I'll, I'll go in and be like, Oh, let's just get it done. And, you know, improvise. Um, yeah. And I, I kind of want to take the approach to be more thoughtful yeah. as I play. And I get that um, from you and it's, it's cool. It's really cool watching you kind of think through mm. um, music and solos and, and songs. Um, switching gears here. Yeah. What are some tools in your soloing tool belt that you like to use? Hmm. Um, well, I got this boomerang. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a boy. no. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, one thing, I mean, one thing that I found to be helpful, and, and people might know this already, but like chord tones are a good place to start. Um, like if you know what the chords are that you're going to solo over to try, like I, I think of, of, of soloing or improvising, there's kind of like two different axes. There's the vertical axis, mm-hmm. which has to do with the chords, like knowing, okay, there's the third, there's the fifth, and you kind of want to hit um, the, the chord on a chord tone. And then there's horizontal, yep. which is just pure melody. And, you know, if you listen to the Beatles, who for, for me is like, you know, the, the melodies that, that uh, John Lennon and Paul McCartney and George Harrison wrote, those are, those are my benchmarks for what is a good melody. And a lot of times they're surprisingly not just the chord tones. Like sure. uh, John Lennon liked to use sixths sometimes in the melody. Um, there might be other more colorful tones. So... I do, you asked like what's in my in my in my tool belt or my toolkit is like I do think about chord tones, but I try to also remember that you know if you like the Beatles, which I do, that an over if you if you try to overemphasize chord tones, you're missing out maybe on some of these kind of horizontal melodies that sure. anybody could sing. You could walk up to anybody on the street, and if you sing them the opening phrase of the long and winding road, even uh-huh. if they've never heard it, they yeah. could sing it right back to you. And that has nothing to do with chord tones. It's just a strong melody. Sure. Um, sure. That said, if if I'm at a loss for melody, let's say I'm just not, I don't know, Maybe even Paul McCartney must have days where it doesn't come. So I, I won't <laughs> up too much. But when it's not happening, chord tones are good. And then I just try to make it interesting by not having them always land squarely on the beat, but maybe displacing them a little so the, bit. The phrasing. Almost like you, 
yeah, phrasing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you're, you're walking somewhere with a cake and you trip and you fall and then you try to put it back together or whatever. It's like it, it maybe so so that your land, I don't know if a misshapen cake is the best metaphor, but you, <laughs> you know, it's all the elements are there, but maybe in a slightly different uh, way. And that that's where it becomes musical. So that's the, the chord tones and is a thing. Another thing that I think about is sometimes just having a starting point and an ending point. Like if I'm going to overdub a solo mm-hmm. or, or even live, like if I'm, you know, playing a gig live, uh, if I know, hey, I, it's, I want to start my solo on this note and I want to end my solo on this note, say. Sometimes just just telling myself that is, is enough to help me um, build something different than I would build if I just started playing. Mm-hmm. You know, ha- knowing the entrance is here, the exit's here, everything else take, will take care of itself. That's a really simple thing, but I found that to yeah. be very useful. Um, another thing is um, like thinking about uh, the contour of what you're trying to do. This is something that when I was in music school, we learned in, in arranging, like when you're writing for a, a whole band or orchestra, thinking about the shape of, of what it is. And so, like if you listen to somebody like Miles Davis uh, take a solo, well, not somebody like, like Miles Davis, if you listen to specifically <laughs> yeah. Miles Davis, because there is nobody like Miles Davis. Um, a lot of his solos, especially, you know, a little bit later, not just in the early days, but when he, when he starts playing more of his own music, he might hang out in one area for a while, and then all of a sudden there's this like burst of energy. And if you try to transcribe note for note what that thing is, you're missing the forest for the trees. It's not that the, the, the specific notes are the information that you should be looking at. I think what you should be looking at is just the overall pacing of like, you know, it's here, it's here, and then there's this big burst of energy. So I kind of sometimes think about solos as, as far as like, you know, where the moments happen and just trust myself to, to have something up my sleeve that, that can create that kind of impact um more which is really different from what i started with here with like chord tones so now i'm like talking you almost like it doesn't matter you're just talking about the energy like it's you know you're you know so those those are things that i go back to all the time yeah very cool very 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 cool very useful information uh for all of us guitarists out there (laughs) all right adam yeah. How how would Adam Levy craft a solo? Give us an example on your beautiful Gibson guitar. Okay. <laughs> um, let me think of a little chord progression. Um, okay, so I'm going to... So I'm going to play... Uh, this is the chords to uh i'm gonna go back to alan toussaint who who i mentioned earlier he did a a recording of uh there's a spiritual song called just a closer walk Mm -hmm. and i'll just use those chords um and i'll play twice through so right i'm gonna play the chords so that people have them in their ears and then i'll talk about how i would 
take a solo over that. Cool. So it's G, D, D7, Let's say it's twice that. So um, I'm going to do the thing where I said I'll, I'll pick a starting note. So I'm going to start on this note. And I'm going to end on the same note at an octave higher. So I've got it's 16 bars twice. So I've got 32 bars to get from here to here. And I'm going to it's hard to think out loud and play, but I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start with some just simple little short statements, and then I'm going to try to expand that a little bit. And uh, I'll also just think about this phrase, just a closer walk with thee as, uh, I mean, I'm not really a religious person, but I'll just think about what that means to me. So one, two, three, four. So knowing that I wanted to get to there was really informative because if I don't have that plan, what starts to happen for me, like two or three bars before the end, I kind of panic and I go, oh my goodness, I'm just out, you know, on a tightrope and I don't know how to, how to get back. So having an exit strategy was good. I, I did a couple of things along the way there. One is in the first couple of bars, I improvised this kind of minor third to major third on the D. And then I just, I used that in a few other places as a phrase ender. Like when I would get to the end of a, it was almost an answer to what I was playing. You know, I would like play a phrase and then I'd answer it with that. Yeah. Or, you know. so, so now I've got a, a, a motif that I can come back to. Um, I started with single notes, and as the solo went on, I went into some double, uh, stops. double stops. And you know, it's uh, it's not that I think that people need to have a, f a formula. I mean, obviously, there's lots of ways to do it. Oh yeah, but 
but if you were gonna, you know, write some kind of AI that was like, you know, to simulate an Adam Levy guitar solo, I think <laughs> those would be things that would probably come up. It's like <laughs> first chorus, single notes, second chorus, double stop. I mean, you know, Wes Montgomery did that. People yeah. have done that on the guitar forever. You just like the thing that I talked about with the emotional contour you need to figure out as a guitar player in the places where you want more energy what could you do well one thing is you could play two notes instead of one mm -hmm. another is just kind of like you know like kind of sounds that are that are scronkier or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. another thing is just higher faster louder i mean uh -huh. it's kind of a blunt instrument but on the guitar or any instrument if you play higher faster louder that's that's more energy sure so i i don't know it's, it's i wish i could like talk out loud as I was, <laughs> but at least as far as like armchair quarterbacking my own solo <laughs> to me those are things I, I don't know did you did you notice anything that i didn't mention that i that i was doing that no was, i think i think you hit it one thing that i i really love your concept of picking a starting point and an ending point because that kind of gave you that framework and be like okay i'm gonna move over here i can do all this and then oh i gotta towards the end i gotta hit that note and you know finalize the solo i actually absolutely love that concept it's mm. fantastic yeah. um I'm, I'm gonna start applying that to my to my soloing i think it's it's a beautiful but it's really simple too and and sometimes adam as you know the most simple things on the guitar are probably the most impactful totally yeah that's really true it's really true yeah very cool i love the solo it sounded awesome <laughs> well i want to i want to talk about uh some of your gear um what what uh what guitars and and amps you like to use they, yeah. it could it could either be for you know I know probably sessions are, are different because each one is probably so specific, but what's right. your go-to? Like what, what would be your go-to, your number one setup for, for guitar and amp and if you use any pedals? Yeah. Um, my number one setup is uh, I have a 64 ES335. Uh, that is mostly original. It, um, it, whoever, Somebody who had it way before me converted it from being a Bigsby guitar to a stop tailpiece. Uh, but other than that, it's pretty much original. Uh, so that's my go-to guitar. I put flat wound strings on it. Um, that's not something, I haven't always done that. I've, I've all, as long as I can remember, I've, I've put 12 gauge strings on my 335. But over the years, it started from just being, you know, D'Addario round wound kind of standard strings that a lot of people use, which are, those are great. Yeah. To, then I went to half rounds and then flat wounds. And um, these days I'm using Tomastic uh, flat wound uh, 12 to, I forget what it is, but yeah, that's what's on my, that's what's on my main 335. That's my go-to guitar. I kind of alternate between like heavy, this is just a Fender heavy pick. This is an old Fender extra heavy that uh -huh. I probably bought on eBay or something. I, yeah. I like old picks. <laughs> I don't know why. 
I just liked him. I just worn uh, in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then my main amp is a, is a six, 1963 uh, Fender Deluxe um, from the brown era. Like it's uh-huh. not tweed, it's not blackface. There's a couple years where they where they made them with light brown Tolex and dark brown knobs. Yeah, I love them. I now actually have two of those. I have two nice. early '60s uh, deluxes, and they sound great to me. Like the the blackface era amps always sound tasty on recordings, uh, and the tweed amps always sound like kind of tough and cool. And like if you want, for me, if I'm trying to sound like uh, rock, you know, not not rock. You know, like Stonesy rock, like yeah, 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 that kind of rock. Then a tweed amp is great, but there's mm-hmm. this kind of middle space that these brown amps occupy. They're tough, but they're not quite as raw as the tweed amps, and they they don't have reverb, so um, reverb's not an option. Mm-hmm. And to me, they just occupy this beautiful middle space. Like they're 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 not. They're not the blackface, they're not tweed, but they're this special thing. And so if you listen to my, I made a record a few years ago called Town and Country. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an instrumental organ trio record. And that record is just the ES-335 that I mentioned, the 64, and the, the 63 Brown Deluxe. I didn't bring any pedals, but a couple of the songs I used the studio to, to get a sound, like either tape echo from a real tape machine, yeah or reverb from a, a plate or a chamber, or if it sounds overdriven, it just means I turned my amp up. Yeah. I, I love to be in the same Great. room as the amp so I can actually on the fly, like adjust the amp. Wow. So that, that's, that's my comfort zone. I yeah. do play with pedals sometimes, but uh, that's more on tour. If I have to go on tour and I'm at the mercy of like, rental amps and you know different rooms different amps sometimes a pedal board will kind of help me uh tame uh an amp that's not so inspiring or a room so i i use really simple things i use an exotic uh rc boost which is just like a, a a very um mild drive the clean boost slash mild drive with some eq okay uh i use a boss od3 which is just like a cool overdrive pedal that's my like budget clon you know like, <laughs> yeah yeah you get them for a hundred bucks <laughs> but on minimal gain like when i step on it it's almost like I reached over to my amp and just turned it just, up a little bit. Just a it's, little bit. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't all of a sudden sound like, oh, cool, rock. It's not yeah, that yeah. at all. No, it's no, just, no. <laughs> but then if I combine those two pedals, actually, if I combine the RC Boost and the and the, um, the Boss OD3, that can get, you know, it's not quite like Neil Young, but I, I can I can go there. Sure. It's amazing on a on a on an uninspiring you know reissue amp (laughs) find on tour you can actually get guitar and that 335 that i play the pickups are a little bit microphonic so you can get it to really you know react and and sure sure yeah Um, that's that's really cool i use a a jam pedals delay llama just very basic three knob analog delay it sounds great um Sometimes I'll use the exotic uh, SP compressor. It's one of those little like 
half mm -hmm. size, two knobs, really basic. Um, I have a JHS uh, Tidewater Tremolo. Um, again, a little yeah. mini thing. It fits on a pedal board. Yep. If I'm playing with my amp, I'd rather use that tremolo. But if I'm sure. on tour, it kind of gives me just so like I'm not a pedal freak in the yeah. way I really admire people that use pedals as a whole other thing. In LA where I live now, there's a there's a great saxophone player named Josh Johnson. And he plays alto sax, but he's got a pedal board. And um uh, in the club, he's doing all kinds of stuff to manipulate, you know, even just like on a jazz quartet gig, he's really like taking the alto saxophone to new territory. Yeah. He's got a bigger, bigger pedal board than Jeff Parker, who's the guitar <laughs> player on that gig. And so I really admire people that do that, but I just, um, I don't know. I always just go back to trying to make the guitar sound good. You know? Simplicity is the key. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I didn't mention, but you know, I've got some nice acoustic guitars. I've, I've got a Collings OM one. That's really oh, cool. Great. Uh, I've got a Waterloo, uh, WLS deluxe, which is kind of built like an old Stella ladder braced, uh, 12 fret. I've actually got an old Stella ladder braced 12 fret. Um, this is, uh, the guitar I'm holding in my hands right now is a 1945 Gibson L7 arch top. So cool. Um, and I just recently bought a Jaguar. I bought a 64. Oh, really? And that thing's rad. <laughs> and then, you know, on sessions, a lot of times, honestly, even if I bring all my guitars, if a studio's got some guitars that live there that sound cool, I'll play whatever. It could be an yeah. ESP Strat. It could be a parts Telecaster. It could be uh, anything, really. Yeah. It's just what what works for the song. Yep, and, for the song. Yep. Yeah. And I know people say that, but it's like, I, that's another lesson I learned over and over. I might think that my guitar is, is better. I might show up and say, why would I play that? This My guitar is clearly better, but... It doesn't matter. Like what matters is you're making a record and, yep. and you know, you got to serve that. The sound. Yep. Serve the record. Very cool. Um, Adam is an incredible teacher. If you guys haven't uh, figured that out by now, <laughs> um, I have taken uh, two of his courses on true fire um, rhythm makeover and uh, uh, slow burn uh -huh. uh, soloing which is fantastic. Um, I want uh, Adam to tell all of our listeners, where, where can people learn from you? Uh, thanks for asking. Yeah, so I've got, I think now six or seven True Fire courses. Um, I like the folks there a lot. It's just a great company. And I always like to go there and, and, and collaborate with them. So I've got, I'm not even sure, but I think it, at the moment I've got six or seven courses that you can find at truefire.com. I've also uh, built a channel there, which is a little bit more focused on songwriting. Uh, and that, that's a, a True Fire channel. It's called Right Brain Guitar, but right with a W, like Right Brain uh, okay, Guitar. Okay, cool. And then um, I, I've got a, a Patreon a subscription uh, 
thing that's called, you can find that at guitartipspro.com. Um, I started, you know, several years ago doing stuff on YouTube and eventually I just migrated from YouTube. You can still find lots of lessons there, but I wanted to have more of a uh, sense of community and, and get to know people and and it's also it's it's been nice um you know in these weird times we're in it's yeah. it's it's a it's an income stream for sure but the main reason that i like it is just like youtube is just like this big open channel yeah. and this is nice because the people that uh that subscribe they ask me questions mm -hmm. and there's and there's much more of an exchange we do live uh live stream hangs via this uh, crowdcast portal um i curate playlists i've been doing a lot of interviews with other guitar players now as part of my channel because you know when you do when you have your own educational channel and it's just you talking into a webcam for <laughs> years and years Sometimes it's fun to have conversations with other guitar players. Oh yeah, and and get some different points of view. I just had a great conversation with Oliver Wood from the Wood Brothers. He's amazing. Yeah, um, I recently interviewed uh, David Ryan Harris, and so, so that's been keeping me inspired. Um, but yeah, Guitar Tips Pro. If you go to GuitarTipsPro.com, you can learn more about it. Yeah, awesome, Adam. Uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. This was an absolute joy to have you and have you bring your guitar and play. <laughs> I felt like I had my own personal concert. It was so awesome. <laughs> what, a, what an honor. Um, I, uh, I, I greatly and deeply appreciate it. And the, the things you taught us today are, um, are very important. And I think it's probably in my opinion, my most uh, valuable podcast that I've done. So if you're listening now, you need to rewind and listen to Adam's tips for soloing because he is an amazing guitarist and instructor. Go check his stuff out. Adam, appreciate you coming on the podcast. My pleasure, Justin. Thank you so much for having me. I'd like to remind everybody to go join our Facebook group. It's uh, Guitar Freaks Facebook. Uh, you can join there. And then go follow us on Instagram as well, just Guitar Freaks Podcast. And hopefully, hope everybody has a rockin' day. Rock on, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Guitar Freaks Podcast. Check out www.fretdeck.com to help you learn the guitar. 